This is the Oh I Had That podcast. I'm Josh. I'm John. And uh, we're speaking with Br- the creator of the Netflix original series, The Toys That Made Us, uh, Brian Volkweiss. How are you doing today, Brian? It's great to talk to you. I am great. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> we're wonderful. And uh, just to start out here, maybe a little bit of background on you, like how you, how you got into the television production business and what led you to this uh, Netflix show. Um, I have been in television production literally my entire career, which is about six months away from being uh, two decades, 20 years <laughs> long. Um, we, uh, we have primarily done comedy. Comedy has always been my bread and butter since the very beginnings of my career. Uh, but more than comedy, starting off as a little kid who played with toys, uh, and as I got older and older, Obviously, uh, I stopped playing with them, and I started collecting them. <laughs> so I would say my collection is at least 30 years old. Oh, wow. And, wow. Uh, basically, uh, for most producers, when you're in the TV business, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, and you get pigeonholed, rightfully so to a certain extent, because everybody really has an expertise for the most part. And... You know, we became pretty well known for making comedy, and we were making comedy, making comedy, and one of my passions was I always wanted to do a show about toys. Now, I'm also a huge history buff, and we've done a lot of programming um, for History Channel and other places of historically-based programming. So I had seen things before on certain toys, Like, there's a lot of documentaries about Star Wars. There's a lot of documentaries about Lego. But two things. One is, like, I'd never seen a documentary about G.I. Joe. I'd never seen And I'm not saying there isn't one. I'm just saying I hadn't seen it. I'd never seen a documentary about He-Man or Transformers. So that was my first kind of, like, we should do that. And then my second impetus was... I wanted to do a show about the history of the toy line. Like, I didn't want to focus on anything peripheral. Like, I wanted to treat the history of Star Wars toys the way a History Channel show would cover the Civil War or would cover, you know, um, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And by, <laughs> by the grace of God, uh, that is what Netflix allowed us to do. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 just looking at the Instagram, you can see Yeah, recently you also posted you had an interview with like the gentleman that family started Kenner and um, a, a lot of people that were uh, influential in designing the Kenner lines. Um, yeah. It's just great. I, I'm so excited for the series because I myself as well as a kid was – I grew up in the 80s, and I, my my jam, so to speak, was the Kenner Star Wars and the Kenner Superpowers and those uh, later on those Playmate Ninja Turtles figures. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now as a 35-year-old man, I'm like recollecting all these old toys that one day my mom just sold in a garage sale. So, <laughs> so it, I uh, had, had, had a very similar <laughs> story. So yeah, I, so to see... My mom sold them, but... Yeah. Uh, definitely not in the house anymore yeah it was kind of interesting timing i mean it seems over the last couple of years 
um, nostalgia for people from their like thirties to forties for that time of like the late seventies and eighties is really like ramped up. So it's probably why like myself, uh, thought of this podcast and Instagram to get going like in June of this year. And then not that long after I, uh, your show pops up into my feed and I'm like, what is this? This is going to be amazing. <laughs> so as a, as a fan of uh, toys, as a grown man, like the, I'm going to be, <laughs> it's going to be cool to see somebody focusing on the, the lines that were kind of around my childhood, you know? Um, yeah. That's what we're, that's what we hopefully did. Yeah, and um, we'll know in a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And previous to this, I was actually uh, doing this podcast with uh, one of my longtime friends that I've known since like early high school. But now, uh, with the relocation, and me and John actually have just been friends for a few weeks now. And John is a a huge collector of uh, Star Wars and Funko Pop figures. So. Um, we have a lot of nerdy interests in common and we're going to start doing uh, season two of this podcast together. So, um, I thought it would be no better person to do this interview with me than, uh, John. So I'm sure John as a, yeah, he puts my collection to shame. I'm just getting started. So I'm sure him as a collector, he'll have some good questions here for you, but I think he, uh, had one in mind that we were just going to start out with, um, to know a little bit about you as a collector. Yeah. So... Hey, um, so this is John again. Um, man, I think one of the coolest things about toys is the instant, tran- you know, translate or transfer back in time, like to being a little kid, all this amazing nostalgia that comes with it. So for me, you know, it's all the, all the stuff as an adult when you finally have a little maybe money that you can, you can get the toys that were thrown away or given away at yard sales and things. But what to you is that one thing that one toy or series or collection that like instantly takes you back you know that that kind of sparks that that feeling of nostalgia or, or gives you that fire to kind of create what you've done with this netflix series so the it's an interesting question so i have always been hardcore into star wars yeah so star wars has since i was you know, three or younger even, and I, I'm 41, so I, I got a little, a couple of years on you guys, or at least on you. <laughs> a little Johnson. bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> Star Wars has always been with me. So I, I still have almost all of my Star Wars toys from when I was a kid. Not all, but most. A lot of them will be in the episode uh, cool. featured in it. Um, so Star Wars didn't necessarily give me like these nostalgia moments because it's always been with me. Mm-hmm. I was getting that a lot more from GI Joe, from transformers and from to a certain extent, a toy that I really was not into growing up, uh, which was He-Man. Yeah. So, um, I, I had a little bit of He-Man, but a lot of my friends had a lot of He-Man. And really interesting. Was, yeah. Getting back into He-Man, like seeing a battle cat for the first time. Yeah. Like, hot chills. Well, I've noticed, too, those series alone, they're really coming back. I mean, they've, they've, the Funko has come out with a whole new line of them. Um, You know, the vintage style packaging that they're doing with even the contemporary toys people are collecting, like the Marvel Black series, uh, the Star Wars, um, 
you know, Black Series um, or Star Wars, or Marvel Legends, I'm sorry. Anyways, but, you know, that that throwback is what people want, you know? Yeah. And you see that artwork, you see those bright colors and, like, I just, it, you just got to have it. <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> I, I completely agree. And what we tried to do was show everybody what led to the packaging, like, Mm-hmm. Battle Cat. How did Battle Cat come to exist? How did you know? You brought up you know you saw that we uh, interviewed Cookie from uh, Kenner you know on Instagram the other day. Um, you know one of the things we did, which going back to what I was saying about how we really you know took my love of history and infused it into the show. You know we went back to what used to be Kenner headquarters. Oh wow. With the, and with Jim Swearingen, and we went to the floor that is now like completely empty. It's like got we went into this one room that had like a thousand chairs in it. Like, it, but that's where Kenner was, and that's where the Tie Fighter toys were designed. The Millennium Falcon was designed. Wow, that's so that amazing. Thing we did, and that to your point, that's what really gave me like crazy goosebumps was seeing that. That's incredible, and like. Just to think, like, Kenner was, like, a powerhouse during that short run of, like, maybe, like, 10 years. And it's just, like, I'm interested to see, like, what got them to, like, where it is now where it's kind of not – I don't know. Are they still even making toys? Is it a deadline or – Hasbro bought them. Yeah. So a lot of what was Hasbro after around 84, 85 – that really was the people from Kenner who had cut over to Hasbro. Wow. Uh, they kind of morphed into one thing, which became oh, okay. Hasbro. That makes sense. Yeah, because uh, the, those He-Man toys, especially as a kid, I just that the Castle Grayskull just like stands out in my uh, deep in my psyche. That was one of the greatest playsets I ever had, but. Um, I go back and watch that cartoon and I'm like, wow, this cartoon was entertaining to me as a kid. Cause now as an adult, I can't relate to it. <laughs> we, we get into the gray skull of it all. We get into the cartoon. Yeah. We, we really tried to make a show that, and again, for me, like I said, I'm a, I, I, in my own mind, at least I'm a star Wars expert, Oh wow. uh, but I was not a He-Man expert. Yeah. So, we tried to do was every ep- another great example is Barbie. I don't know anything about Barbie before. Oh this. yeah, nothing. I knew Ken's name. I knew Barbie. <laughs> something going on in Malibu, but like <laughs> anything about uh, Barbie. And I would say now I probably have definitely a college degree in Barbie. <laughs> That's amazing. And so. We uh, same thing for Hello Kitty, by the way. You know, we have a whole episode on Hello Kitty, oh, wow. and that's why I knew nothing about. And now, it, I know a lot about it. First of all, but what we tried to do with even Star Wars or GI Joe or Transformers or whatever was make it so if your favorite thing in the world was Star Wars, you'll like the episode. But if you never thought about Star Wars before. You would also like the episode. Oh, that's great! That's yeah, that's really awesome. Trying to do what I really what hearing you talk about it. What really appeals to me about it, not just the toys, is the fact that you're taking this History Channel approach to it and um, gonna make it like not only like 
a playful content, but serious content that will actually come out of it being like, wow, I know so much more about that, that, uh, toy line that I didn't before. Like you said, Barbie, like I I'm with you. I don't know anything about Barbie, but it'll be interesting. I, I'll definitely watch every one of these episodes. So, um, I was noticing on, um, your Instagram previously that you also, and you were saying here worked in production for comedy was that kind of what got you in the door with Netflix is working on comedy specials and yeah, we, we do a lot of work with Netflix, uh, in the standup comedy area. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, because of that, you know, we have a lot of meetings and a lot of conference calls with them. And that is, uh, that, that's how I was able to, I don't know if this is what they would say, but <laughs> what I would say is annoy them yeah. long enough. Uh, I mean, I've been trying to sell the show for years, yeah. like at least five years. So, you know, we had different incarnations of it. And the, the one that, because every network has different needs. You know, some networks need huge movie stars to be in a show. Yeah. Some networks need, you know, whatever. The show that we were able to make for Netflix is exact for, for better or worse, you know, we'll know in a couple of weeks, but is exactly the show that I wanted to make, which is it's fun, but it really treats the subject matter, no matter how goofy or silly Skeletor might be, especially if you just went back and watched the cartoon again, that it takes it seriously, but not too seriously. Yeah, and it sounds like you're, especially with Netflix, who is a great provider of all different types of content, that you're going to be able to, like you said, uh, treat the content the way it deserves. And it's not going to have to be a uh, semi-scripted reality show that, you know, is a little watered down and has you running around picking toys or something like that. (laughs) It's going to be more about the history, which is wonderful. Well, I think yeah. Netflix is finally giving people what they want, you know, and I think well, our generation, we want, you know, these type of shows. We want, I mean, we want Stranger Things. We want things like this that connect us to a certain time. I mean, um, I think not only is that cool, but just the way that collectibles, the way that that throwback is going. I mean, every, even these big box stores like Best Buys and um, Barnes and Nobles and every, they're reconfiguring their whole yeah. model to be around collectibles. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's amazing. I mean, this whole new generation of people that are building a love for things that I loved being, you know, an eighties, nineties kid, you know, these Nickelodeon stuff, for instance, all this crazy nineties Nickelodeon stuff is amazing. Ren and Stimpy and Hey Arnold, all these amazing shows, all these vinyl figures and all these, you got little kids, you know, rocking Ren and Stimpy shirts that have no idea. <laughs> and it's just awesome because it's the parents that they they see it and they they get that feeling and they got to have it and they got to start a new generation. So I think that's what's so neat. It's like it's like a perfect time. This show's coming when um, everyone's kind of getting on board with this. It's not just a bunch of nerds. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the to your your point and you're dead on accurate with what you're saying. You know, one of the things that we one of our criteria for the toys we picked for the first eight episodes was have they been essentially perpetually in production? Mm -hmm. So every single one of these toys that we've covered, essentially the one exception is kind of He-Man. Now I know He-Man's doing a little here, a little there right now, but He-Man is not in full bore production now. 
the way Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Barbie, Transformers is. But it is still in production, so it does count. (laughs) But so that's something to your point. That's what we focused on. So we didn't just pick a toy that was huge in the 90s and disappear. Yeah. You know, for a big toy now that wouldn't, you know, appeal to somebody who grew up in the 80s. Oops. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, I didn't even notice that seeing the uh, different lines that you um, have discussed for these episodes. I didn't even think that, oh, these are all still relevant in, yeah. in production. Um, that makes sense to focus on them because they'll also have a more – they should also have like a more widespread appeal to more of an audience than just a bunch of collecting yes. nerds like us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what we tried to. That was one of three criteria. That was a bit very important. So, what was an interview that you had to get for this series, these first eight episodes that was on your list? Oh, I have to talk to this person, otherwise this show can't be made. <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's only one person who we really wanted that we didn't get, oh. uh, and that was George Lucas. Oh, he was yeah. the only one we just got michael bay we just got dolph ludren like some of the people that we've interviewed like it literally took eight or nine months i mean we literally just shot michael bay last week oh wow that's awesome and and to be honest (laughs) with you as it relates to delivering episodes uh, that is way too late so as far as oh go ahead i'm sorry no 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 Go ahead, I was going to say, uh, in regards to George Lucas, as far as you saying, you know, self-described Star Wars expert, did, was he, um, to your knowledge, very influential in how the toys were made and um, designed before they came out? I, I don't know so much about the design, but he was extremely involved. But I'll say this making fun of myself for being an expert. Maybe I'm an expert now, but I thought <laughs> I was an expert at the beginning of this show when we started trying to make it. Uh, it is shocking what the story is. Like yeah, It man. is a much more twist and turn uh, story about how everything ended up at Kenner. I mean, a very, very interesting story that I have been reading about Star Wars probably on a semi-monthly basis for 35 of my 41 years. And so many aspects of the story I'd never even heard about as it relates to the toys. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I I can't wait to hear more about it. I, like you said, I've seen the couple of random documentaries that have focused on you know the Star Wars line in particular. But me being – like Star Wars is probably the – as far as toys go, like the, the most – influential on my childhood and even now as a 35 year old man like the one that i'm always like oh i have to get that um (laughs) so i can't wait to hear more about it um but it looks like you've even though you couldn't get george lucas you talked to some very uh important people involved with the production of the toys which is that those are the men on the ground that you know we're gonna men and women that we're gonna want to hear from so um, I think you're probably going to have enough content that even the big guy like Lucas <laughs> is not, is, we're not going to be lacking. <laughs> no, we're definitely not lacking. We spoke to this guy named Jim Swearingen. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that he's the guy that read the script. 
if not more importantly, he's the guy that got his boss to read the script. He's the guy that flew to ILM, like, uh-huh. and saw the models and took pictures of them. Like, that, that was truly one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, truly one of the greatest moments of my life was meeting him, being there, you know, interviewing him, all that stuff. Just, I, I couldn't believe the stuff he was saying, the stuff that he saw. We went to his house. We saw pictures of, mm. you know, we saw the pictures that he took when right. he was at ILM. Wow. He was at ILM, just to give you context, the day after they blew up the Death Star. Oh, wow. Oh, nobody knew what the Death Star was. But nobody knew what anything was. That's the day he got there, to give you a little context. That's yes. amazing. That's awesome. And then you hear of these people that worked for Kenner, and, uh, like, my jaw drops because they're like, oh, I have an attic full of these toys. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but not just the toys. Yeah. I mean, the prototypes, yeah. the negative art, the artwork negatives. Yeah, everything uh, leading up to the toys is insane. We, we saw some amazing, amazing stuff. We, we, we tried very hard with every episode to put what I started calling, rightfully or wrongfully, relics um, from the history of the toys. Another thing which was just, I mean, I literally was there when it was opened. I can't even believe it. We went to Japan uh, for the Transformers and Hello Kitty episode. Oh, and, very cool. You know, one of the things we really tried to do was go, and this, this is my history background, go to the places where things happen. So like we were invited to go to modern day Takara headquarters, which is this big, beautiful, shiny building. And we went there and it was great. But what I also was very insistent on, and thank you to the Takara company, we went to their old headquarters. We went to the headquarters of where Optimus Prime was designed. We went, who was, whose name was Convoy, before oh. he became Optimus Prime. Oh, wow. We met the guy. We actually met the two guys who uh, carved out of wood the original Optimus Prime. That's and crazy. Where any of that stuff is, we think it was all from <laughs> But they, when, when and I'm, I don't, I feel horrible. Uh, I don't, we did over 300 interviews, and I don't know everybody's name, unfortunately, but the, one of the luckiest breaks that we had was we had a two-day shoot uh, with Takara. And the guy who literally carved Optimus Prime out of wood, and I don't just mean Optimus Prime out of wood standing there. I mean out of wood, the pieces that would transform. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's crazy. He was scheduled to be interviewed the second day, but we were so lucky he came the first day just to meet everybody. So he saw the interviews and he saw how excited we were getting. So the next day when he came and he wouldn't have done this had he not come the first day. So we were so lucky. He brought a photo album with him and he showed us, and it's in the show. He showed us the pictures of those wooden Optimus Prime prototypes, the streaker prototypes, all these things literally hand carved out of wood, with little metal bolts as their elbows and whatnot. And we saw it all. I we went. can't wait to see this. This is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing, right? Yeah. We went 
the uh, the basement of the old Takara building. It was like the last scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know? <laughs> oh my god! And they, we were there with them. They didn't know what was in the boxes for the most part, and they're literally opening boxes. And they found like Devastator's head carved out of wood, and we we filmed it all. We had this thing we called the light box. We shipped it all across the world with us. It was this spinning thing with a white uh, underlit thing. We, you know, we're putting all the wooden heads on it. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, and I'm literally sitting there with my jaw hanging open. Oh so it was, uh, we had that almost every toy. It sounds like you're uh, living your childhood fantasies making this show. <laughs> Here, here's what I can tell you, dead serious and dead honest, even though this might sound metaphorical or even humorous, but I mean this. I, the, Netflix bought this show 18 months ago. Yeah, We've been working on it for 14. We have delivered six of the eight episodes. I still cannot believe it was greenlit. <laughs> oh, man. I still don't oh, believe it. That's I awesome. still don't believe it. I was looking at a rough cut this weekend. And I was that's like, so I cool. even got to make this. Wow. You know, the Billund in uh, Denmark, which is where Lego's from. We saw the molds where the original, like every Lego that you played with as a kid, oh that was six by two. Every one, the one you touched, the one I touched. Wow. We saw the mold. Oh, that they, man. It's only had one mold for like 12 years. So if you were playing with Legos in 1988, when I this, so we saw that mold. Wow. When all the travels and all the experience of filming and, and doing all these things, seeing these amazing things, is there something that you as a collector were able to take away to bring into your your own collection or into your world that, that is like your little your little keepsake from all the fun journeys of creating this? So uh I, I didn't. I, I didn't do anything like that. I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't ask for anything. Nobody offered anything. Yeah. But what has happened over the last couple months, um, maybe even like the only the last six weeks, is, and I don't know why it's happening now. You know, I'll tell you why it's happening now. I just figured it out. Um, basically, starting about six weeks ago, a lot of the people that we interviewed started mailing me stuff. Oh wow! Oh, cool. <laughs> this one, this amazing guy uh, who showed us great stuff, which is in the episode, one of the episodes, you know, sent me a prototype coin uh, from uh, Star Wars. You know, and they used to have toy uh, coins. Yeah, yeah. Years. That's awesome. And um, I think, uh, and that you know, I just, that was last week. Um, so I've been getting a lot of that stuff mailed to me, and like I said, I did notice that for you know, thirteen and a half months, no one's. Nothing happened, and now it's starting to come in. I don't care why. And what I think is happening is, you know, most networks announce months, if not a year ahead of time, we're doing this show. Yeah. Netflix doesn't do that. Like, I noticed, like, I was watching Netflix, and that's how I found Narcos Season 3. Right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and among I did the, the same bill. exact thing. That's hilarious. So... I think that people trusted us like we weren't psychopaths saying yeah. it's on Netflix when it wasn't. <laughs> I think when it just started getting more and more real, I think a lot of people were like, oh, uh, 
wow. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, another thing I saw, which your question makes me think of, uh, and I'll tell you this, this was the closest I came to, like, after the camera stopped shooting, to going up to the guy and being like, uh, can I buy that? <laughs> <laughs> we met... Um, the guy, uh, his name's, uh, and I'm going to, I don't even want to say his, his first name's Bud, because I'm going to screw up his last name. <laughs> but uh, he was the guy, this is one of the funniest things I've seen all year, by the way. I'm so glad you reminded me of it. Um, we did a lot of interviews in New York. He lived three miles by train, three hours by train from Manhattan, which is at that time when we were shooting the interviews. So he comes in. You know, it's just kind of like a lot, almost everybody, everybody we met, 100% of the people we met were cool, nice, no one, braggadocious, just everyone was cool. That's awesome. So he comes in, he's this kind of nice guy, you know, I don't know, late 50s to late 60s. I, I had no idea. It, he looked fine. I'm just saying. <laughs> he was writing the Transformers 40 years ago. He's probably not 30. Anyway, so he comes in, and this is the guy that wrote all of the character bios for the Transformers. Oh, oh wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Came up with almost everybody's name, Megatron, Optimus, everybody. Actually, I think the only name he didn't come up with was Optimus Prime. So he's on the he's on the level of meeting like uh, Bob Kane or someone that created an iconic superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was like, and again, he's this kind of nice guy, you know, kind whatever. So I'm not really, you know, I, I'm it's reverential meeting him, and it, we're all great. The interview's going great, everything's great, and I, I hadn't noticed it till he said something, but he was literally holding a pile of like legal paper, and at one point he's like talking, talking, he's like. Yeah, you know, so basically it was Thanksgiving weekend and I had to uh, come up with the characters. So I started like, uh, you know, Starscream. And here's Starscream right now. And he oh. literally had oh in God. his hands April <laughs> cold weather, three hours on a train. <laughs> but, I mean, these are probably between ten and $50,000 a piece, oh, these pieces of paper, God. if they were being auctioned. And he's like, here's Optimus Prime, here's Megatron, <laughs> oh, here's this. Like, and I'm literally like, what are you doing? You should, be <laughs> you should have that in a, a folder. Like, you don't even have a folder in your house? So, like, we made him. We literally found a folder for him and a bag. And made him put them in the stuff. Oh but my gosh! The closest I came wow. to being like, uh, you know, how much? Uh, how <laughs> yeah. much? Gonna, I've always loved Starscream. <laughs> Starscream just always cracks me up. And I was like, yeah, how much would he uh, the Starscream? Oh, but man. I just felt either right or wrong, smart or stupid. I, it just felt to me like crossing a line. Like, like at no point did Netflix say don't buy stuff you see when making the show. I don't even think they would have cared. I don't know if the community would have cared. I don't know. But I like that you could ask me this question now, and I can say to you, you know what? No, I didn't ask, and nobody offered. You know, it's just the fact that these people are giving you their time to make yeah. this dream yes. project. So. Yeah. 
And I'm yeah. harassing them. Well, can I buy your star screen? Yeah, exactly. But so man, I six hours on a train. Yeah. So yeah, I never asked and nobody offered and I'm very at peace with that. Well, it sounds like to me the biggest thing that you get is this amazing show. So I think you, I think you, you get it's pretty I, I, cool. I, but I, I like it, but I, I hope everybody else does too. So as far as um, the show, we the release date is the 22nd of December, which is it, the like the first four. The first four, okay. Right. And then the ne- after the new year for the next four. We don't have a release date yet. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll know pretty soon when it is. Yeah. It just can't, like you said it with Netflix, it just sneaks up on you. And, uh, to that point kind of as well as when I stumbled on the Instagram, I was like, this, no, this, this can't be a real Netflix show. This somebody just made this profile and they- we got that all the time. We look <laughs> at people being like, this ain't on Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, by the way, as soon as Netflix announced the show, and by the way, we found out from our Facebook page oh, wow. that it had oh, been announced. Like we knew the date. We've known the date for months, yeah. but the public didn't know. So we found out the public knew when someone posted it. And one of the funny things is if you look on our Facebook page, we got asked every day, sometimes dozens, if not hundreds of times, when's it coming out? And we kept writing back, you know, we're going to be making an announcement soon. We're going to be making an announcement soon. And when the date was announced, literally followers of the page kept saying to us, aren't you happy you don't have to say coming soon anymore? <laughs> yes, we're very happy. So just to close it out, yeah, we thank you so much for your time, but, um, I, 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 no, no. Yeah, this is good. We're very excited for the show and we can't wait to see the first four on the 22nd, but I wanted to ask you, is there still, you've been collecting so long, is there one toy, um, or item that you have your eye on that you're like, Oh, just, I, I can't, I can't get it quite yet, but I, I want it every day. I wake up, I want that toy. <laughs> you know, there is, and it's not, really at all a financial thing that I don't have it. It's just time and energy and sort of bad luck that I don't have it. My childhood, Tyson Podolsky, who lived across the street from us, (laughs) had the Cobra Hydrofoil and he had the G.I. Joe Whale. And this past May, I finally got the Hydrofoil. And I have at least twice over the last 20 years on eBay, uh, <laughs> old eBay is, bought whales. And then they came to me broke. Oh. So I would say without a doubt, but the number one thing that I want that I don't have is the whale. Which is, which is funny. That's, that's your, that's your white whale is the the whale. That's amazing. What I was saying is if we are lucky enough to get a second season order, the gift I'm going to get for myself is a first generation GI Joe snake eyes. Yeah. And the Mego bridge from the motion picture. Wow. Very cool. From Star Trek. Oh yeah. Nice. Which is one of the episodes, by the way. We did a whole episode on Star Trek. Oh, wow. It's the opposite of Star Wars. So the way yes. <laughs> there was George Lucas in charge of everything, 
the, the Roddenberry had no right. It, Star Trek was a complete zigzag of a trajectory for the toys. Well, and, to bridge that gap, you still have time. Maybe you should get JJ on camera and he can talk about both. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, that's no awesome. Comment. No comment as it relates to Star Trek, not Star <laughs> Star Wars. He did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those uh, those Mego Star Trek toys like are they they predate me, but they are some of the great greatest toys out there. I've always had my eye on the bridge and those uh, individual figures themselves. So it's amazing. And I'm not talking about the bridge from the no, not that one. Oh, okay, not that one. that's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, nice. Okay, I'm talking about is Mego. And by the way, I would love one day, if possible, if we're allowed to make more, I would love to do a whole episode just about Mego. Oh, yeah. That would be great, yeah. Mego had the rights to Star Trek when the motion picture came out, but they were bankrupt, so mm. they didn't get money. So they released this insane line of Star Trek the motion picture toys. <laughs> they're all okay to whatever, but they released a bridge they're like literally next to the view screen as this like bizarre submarine like rotating hat like it is bananas. And I'm <laughs> gonna look that up. So oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brian. We look forward to the series and um we we definitely think you'll get a season two, so you'll probably have those uh those whales in your collection very soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you gentlemen and please reach out to me personally or through facebook i'd love to know what you think after you see the show yeah we, we, we will do brian it's been great talking to you and we wish nothing but the best for the series you guys as well thank you very much thank Thanks, you man. have a great night appreciate it bye later